Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we'll begin in verse 1, read a few verses here. We'll be concluding our series today uh, on the third person. We've been talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, You'll have to forgive me, I walked out with my iPad sitting on my couch this morning, and so I was going to try to use my phone. Apparently I'm too old to read it off my phone. So, so I've borrowed my nephew's, um, whatever this thing is, Kindle thing, and it's slightly better. So if I'm squinting a little bit, just, just bear with me. It's, it's, uh, it's been one of those mornings. Uh, next week, my friend, Pastor Tyrone Lane, will be uh, preaching for you here. I'm looking forward to having him. Um, Pastor Tyrone and I uh, go way back. Uh, we've been friends for a really long time. Uh, and uh, we were actually ordained on the same day uh, together uh, in February of 2002. And so he's been in pastoring in Atlanta, but he's coming back to start a church in Pearland. We're helping him start Fresh Impact Church of Pearland. And so I want him to share that vision with you uh, next week and uh, share the word with you. And I believe you're really going to enjoy his ministry. Uh, so that's next week. All right. Are you, th- are you in Acts chapter 2? Okay, well... Seven of us are going to read, the rest of you, (laughs) I hope you're auditory learners because (laughs) when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues of fire as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and I want you to note right here, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Everybody say language. Uh, we've been in this series, we've been talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, and I hope you've learned something about who He is, about the relationship that He wants to have with you, about the power that He wants to, uh, and the gifts that He wants to give to you. He is the gift that brings gifts to us. I hope you feel closer to the Holy Spirit, and I hope you feel it more empowered than you ever have. I've been hearing uh, stories of how the Holy Spirit has been working in many of your lives, and I'm so uh, uh, excited to hear those. It's wonderful uh, when people really uh, begin to understand that the, the Holy Spirit wants a relationship with us. You know, I have a friend that I've been coaching softball with for many years, uh, and his name is Wayne, and he's a, he's a great guy, and over the years, part of our relationship and and coaching softball together, we have developed a a language, uh, if you will, a a way of communicating. So he would say things to me or I would say things to him that may not mean anything to the rest of the world, but to us, they communicate something very clearly. He he, He might say to me, Randon, she needs to hit a double or hit the next one. And for most people, they don't know what that means, but we know what that means. If I say to him, man, she hit a seed, 
or he hit, that was a seed. We, most people don't even know what we're talking about. We know what we're talking about. If we, if we uh, say things like, I, I want you to fan this one, or I want you to lay it down, or I want you to, all these types of things that we might say um, w- when I would be working on the lineup and I would ask him a question, he would always say to me, deck chairs on the Titanic, Randon. Meaning you can mix them up however you want to, the sink is, the ship is going to sink, it doesn't matter. Get it, deck chairs on the Titanic, move them all around, the ship's going down. Um, but these, these communicated, and, and as, uh, over the course of our time together, we had a relationship so that I could say something to him, and he could say something to me, and we knew exactly what we were talking about, even when no one else did. And we could communicate a lot of information with just a few words. We had developed our own language. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit wants to be your best friend. And if given the time, if you'll you'll spend enough time talking with Him, you will find that He wants to have a language just with you. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to be able to say things to you. You say, well, how do you get all this stuff from the Holy Spirit, Pastor Randy? Well, we have a language. We speak a language, and I understand what he's saying to me, and he understands what I'm saying to him. And sometimes it may take just a few words. He can just say three words to me, and I know exactly what he's talking about because we speak the same language. I want to talk to you about today about the language of friendship, the language of friendship. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. I thank you uh, that we get to come here and and worship you and also uh, celebrate what you've done in our country and how we were founded uh, on your word and and our Christian beliefs. And Lord, I I still believe that uh, you're the God of this nation. Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you. Touch us today, oh God. Touch us today. Teach us something. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I often get this question, uh, how does the Holy Spirit speak to you? Renan, how does the Holy Spirit speak to you? How do you hear from God? Because I I believe there are a lot of people, a lot of good Christians, uh, and and a lot of kind of good Christians that really would like to hear from God, that's been, that, that, they try to pray, but they don't know how to hear. So sometimes we can be really good at praying, but not very good at hearing. And thus, we never get the answers that we're seeking. And the problem with trying to get answers from God, but never getting them, is that if, you, if, if at some point you never hear from God, you quit asking. You ever have someone in your life that you keep asking and asking and asking and asking and they never respond to you? So finally you look up and go, okay, I got the message. You're not going to talk to me. So then Christian people go out, good people that really do love Jesus. They just assume God doesn't want to speak to me. And so I'm going to go out and try to just do my best on my own because God's not helping me anyway. He only speaks to the pastor or the people that pray 17 hours a day, Right? So people ask me, Brandon, how do you hear from God? I want to give you a couple of quick ways that I hear from God. Would you, can, can I help you a little bit? Everybody hears from God in kind of their own way. This is just my experience. Uh, what I have found, uh, some of the ways that, that I, that, that the Holy Spirit communicates with me. Uh, first thing is you have to understand it takes practice. And you, have, you can't talk all the time and expect the, to hear from the Holy Spirit. 
If we can't be still and quiet for just a moment, we're going to struggle to hear God. Okay, the first thing is, um, obviously I have to listen because sometimes I hear God. I hear words. Uh, I literally hear them, not as if someone's talking to me, but I hear them in my heart. I hear them in my spirit. Uh, the Bible talks about a still, small voice. But to hear those words, I have to, first of all, be listening. And secondly, I have to push beyond the noise of my life. Sometimes it feels like the, the Holy Spirit yells at me. But I'm going to be honest, I don't like it when the Holy Spirit yells at me. Because I don't like it when anybody yells at me. And if God is yelling at me, it means I'm probably not paying enough attention. So I try to stop and listen. The second thing is, uh, sometimes I hear it, uh, sometimes I think it. You know, uh, we talked last week about the, the, the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. Some are words of knowledge. This is where we get uh, information that we could have not have known on our, on our own. Uh, some is prophetic words, which is, uh, you know, declaring something that God is saying. Uh, and then another one is word of wisdom. And these are all ways that the Holy Spirit communicates with us. W one that I use in my life on a daily basis is I, is I activate and, and stir up the gift of words of wisdom in my life. Uh, I, I have to. I, I can't do what I do without words of wisdom, uh, creative ideas, uh, creative ways of dealing with problems and situations. But sometimes, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be praying and I'll be saying, God, I need an idea. And then a few minutes later, I'll have an idea. And here's the thing. If we're paying attention, what happens is um, I pray, God, give me an idea. Maybe it's a word of wisdom. Within a few minutes, I have an idea, but I've got to recognize that idea didn't come from me. That idea came from God. We call it a God idea. It's not a good idea. It's a God idea, right? And, and so we have to realize you prayed for it, and within a few minutes, you had an idea. It probably didn't come from you. It probably didn't come from something you saw on TV. It probably didn't come from something you read. It probably came from the Holy Spirit. And, we're, and, we, and then we go off taking credit for it. Man, I had this great idea. No, you didn't. The Holy Spirit gave you that because you asked he, Him for it and He responded. Don't take credit or He'll cut off the faucet, man. So sometimes I just think it. Like sometimes they're just thoughts appear in my mind and I don't know where they came from except to say, you know what? I asked the Holy Spirit for an answer and there's the answer. So sometimes I hear it. Sometimes I think it. Uh, sometimes I read it. Sometimes I'm reading in the Word and something will come alive to me. Something, sometimes I'm reading other places and I'll read something and, and God will speak to me from the words I'm reading. It may not even have anything to do with what I'm reading, but sometimes held within the words, God illuminates them and they come alive, especially when I'm reading the Word of God. It is a living thing, and it will speak to you if you'll read it, and you'll open your heart to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. He will, he will cause the words on the paper to come alive to you and speak into your heart, speak into your situation. So sometimes I read it. Uh, sometimes I see it. Sometimes I see it. Um, sometimes I get a mental picture of things, like a vision. Uh, some, sometimes I, I just... Uh, you know, I'm, I, I get a, a picture of something, uh, you know, uh, th there are times that, you know, I've been praying for someone and, and uh, God wanted me to talk to them about, you know, 
uh, buying a new home or said he wants them to build a new home or be homeowners. And suddenly I just see a picture of a house with a for sale sign that says sold across it. And that communicates to me that the Holy Spirit is saying something. And so we see pictures. So I, I see it. I'm moving quickly now because I, I got more that I want to get to today. Uh, and then sometimes I just feel it. Sometimes I feel it. Sometimes I just feel the peace of God. The Bible says that peace surpasses all understanding. And so I, I spend a lot of time in my life following peace. If I can find the peace of God on a situation, uh, then, then I know I'm going to be okay. Uh, when I feel a lot of anxiety, I try to back up and say, God, what are you saying here? Uh, so I, sometimes I feel it. Sometimes I feel what God is saying. Um, and then uh, this one doesn't happen to me very much a few times, uh, but my wife uh, has this a lot, uh, and it's to dream it, to dream it. Uh, you remember uh, in Acts chapter 2 uh, when Peter said uh, that our sons and daughters will prophesy, our young men will uh, see visions, and our old men will dream dreams, right? And so in a dream, God speaks to you. And oftentimes when you get a dream from God, you see this in the Old Testament, you see it with Daniel, you see it with, uh, with Joseph, and you see them, uh, people dreaming, uh, God would speak to them in dreams, but then someone would come in and interpret it. And so oftentimes when Lindsay has a prophetic dream uh, uh, that God is speaking to her, she wakes up and she says it to me, and, and we try to ask God to, to help us um, uh, interpret what he's saying to us. So sometimes we dream it. Uh, and then the last thing is sometimes you just say it. What do you mean? Sometimes in the midst of talking, God will bypass my own brain and words will come out of my mouth and I don't even know where they came from, but the moment they came out, you know they were from God. Does that make sense? Like, I can't take credit for them. You look at me and go, man, where did that come from? But you feel something different. When, when God speaks through you, it's, it's like a shift. All It's like, it's like okay, this is, this, is, this is Pastor Randon, this is, this is Randon, this is Randon. Boom, that's God. And it shifts all of a sudden. And it just bypasses my brain. And I'm looking around going, what in the world? Sometimes when you're just talking, it, it'll come out. And if, you'll, if you will pay attention, you will find yourself when, when someone comes to you. And, I, and I'm a big believer that if you, if you will begin to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, and befriend you and, and work with you and go with you everywhere you go and uh, you'll find that people will be attracted to you. Remember we talked about the charisma. These gifts have an attractive nature to them. People will be coming to you and they'll be coming to you with their problems or their issues or asking for prayer or what do you think about this and you'll find yourself talking to them in the midst of doing your best to try to help them. God will speak through you right in the middle of it and if you'll recognize it, you'll feel the shift and uh, so that's some of the ways that I hear from God. I hope that helps you. Um, I hear it, I think it, I read it, I see it, I feel it, I dream it, and I say it. Um, but there's another way that the Holy Spirit wants to communicate. So that's how he communicates to me in, in, uh, in English or in, in pictures. And, but there is another way of communicating that the Holy Spirit has. And it's, it's really um, one of the big things that makes the Holy Spirit controversial. It has divided churches. It has divided families. Uh, it's, it's just been a massive source of division. And that is um, two things. That uh, First off, when Paul said, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, and he began to name them, and he said, to some he gives the gift of tongues, to others the interpretation of tongues. And then in Acts chapter 2, we saw where he talks about uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues. This idea of a heavenly language or a prayer language or a gift of tongues or speaking gibberish or whatever you want to call it has been um, 
a source of division for many, many years uh, in, the, in the church. But the truth is today, they tell us that uh, in Christianity across the world, there are more Catholics than any other brand of Christianity. And then right behind that, there are more tongue-talking believers, if you will, more spirit-filled uh, people that speak in tongues uh, in the world than those that are not. Uh, and, and so it's becoming less of a source of division. And I think part of it is the more understanding we get about what the Holy Spirit is doing, the, the less controversial it gets. When we realize that the Holy Spirit just wants a relationship with us and He wants to communicate with us and He wants to help us. Remember, He's the helper and He wants to guide us because He's our guide and He wants to comfort, her, be, comfort us because He's our comforter. Then we get to, we can gain an understanding of what's going on. The reason it's controversial is because uh, most people have a fear of what they don't know, a fear of what they don't understand, and a fear of what they can't control. So I want to try to break it down to you and make it as simple as I can today. And I want to try to help you, uh, try, try to help everyone here at home uh, and just give you a little bit of understanding so we, we can push past the fears and, and embrace a language that the Holy Spirit wants to have as, as a language of friendship. Um, in Acts 2 and 4, he said they spoke in tongues. The word tongues there in the Greek is the word glossa. Uh, you will recognize it because we get our word glossary from it. Glossary. So they were speaking in, in uh, a language. The word glossa means a language used by a particular people distinct from that of other nations. So the question is, is this language of the Holy Spirit used by a particular people? Yes, it's only used by Christians. Is it distinct? Yes, it's only those that are filled with the Holy Spirit speak it. Um, I want to give you three myths about speaking in tongues. Three myths about speaking in tongues really quickly. It's a language. I want to give you three myths. Number one is this. The first myth is that you're going to speak fluently the first day. Here's, let me ask you this question. How fluent were you in English when you spoke it for the first time? Not very. If you've ever tried to learn a second language, I'd spent three years uh, learning uh, Spanish in high school. I can say cocina. That's kitchen, right? <laughs> Where the food is at. I can say tacos, <laughs> I can say burritos, <laughs> if you're catching my drift here. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I poured con concrete when I was a kid, so I can say a few cuss words in Spanish from the, the, the other guys. But beyond that, it's, I'm very limited on my understanding. Um, because we, we don't just pick up a language overnight. It takes time. You're not just going to be fluent in it the first day. Uh, when my kids were learning to speak, my, my daughter, she used to say when she would wake up, she'd come in the other room, and I'd say, hey, what are you doing? And she would say, I laked up. She meant to say, I waked up or I woke up, but she would say, I laked up. My son, uh, of course, we, you know we spend a lot of time at, at ballparks, and his favorite thing to do is to go to the confession stand. He's seven. He's finally got it worked out. But um, he likes that confession stand where he can get him some nachos. <laughs> we don't learn it overnight. It takes time. It takes work. It takes practice. 
If you were going to go to learn to speak Spanish, you'd start studying, you'd start working on it, and eventually you'd get it, but you would have to practice it. The second is uh, you can't control it. This is a myth. Listen, I don't live in fear that I'm going to be at Saltgrass on a Friday night, and I'm going to go to or- order my Wagon Boss sir- sirloin medium with no onions and no steak butter, and it's going to come out in Holy Spirit gibberish. I, I don't live in fear of that. I don't live in fear that I'm going to be walking down the mall one day shopping for Christmas presents, and it's just going to take over me and knock me on the floor, and I'm going to be speaking, and they're going to haul me off in a, in a straitjacket. That's not the case. It's a language. You can, I, I was um, talking to a friend the other day. His, his name is Hector. And we were walking along, and, and uh, we were at a car dealership, and we're walking along, and he's speaking to me in English. And then we walked by another guy that worked at the car dealership, and in just a moment, he switched over and started speaking in Spanish to that guy. And then he spoke right back in English to me, and it, 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 he went back and forth. Why? Because he was in total control. He made the decision, I'm going to speak to this guy in Spanish and I'm going to speak to you in English. Uh, Understand, this is a language and you're in control of it. You can choose to speak it or not speak it. Are you with me? All right. And the third is this. The third myth is that it will just jump out of you one day. Like, what I mean is, one day, it's just going to happen and you're just going to be fluent, and you're never have to do anything. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to receive it. You don't have to open your mouth. You just, there it is. Man, listen, I've heard of that happening a few times, but that's not how it happens for the most part. Most of the time, uh, we have to ask for it, and then we have to begin to speak it. We have to open up our mouths and step out by faith. You see, receiving this language of the Holy Spirit, first of all, you have to utilize your words. You have to speak it verbally. It's a language. It's a language. Um, And and the second is, it takes faith and obedience. It takes faith and obedience. Uh, You hear words or sounds that come up and they don't make any sense. They're not supposed to make any sense. That's kind of the point. I'll talk to you about that more in a second, but that's kind of the point. Not, if, they, if, if, it, if you could understand it, it would probably be English, right? And so that's the point, but we still have to step out by faith and, and respond. It takes faith. It's like, and, and the other part of that is you don't always feel something right up front. I know that there are people in this room that when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues, you felt amazing, you felt electric, you, you were on fire, and I, and I celebrate that with you. But that doesn't happen for everyone, and if it doesn't happen for you, it doesn't mean that God hasn't filled you with the Holy Spirit. All right? Think about this. Um, an, another act of faith is tithing. You know, I, listen, when I first started tithing, even as a kid, I didn't feel anything when I tithed except broke right? But I tithe by faith and I have a lifetime now of watching how God has continually come through for me and and been there for me and showed up in my life. So sometimes receiving the Holy Spirit functions the same way. You may not feel what the person next to you feels, but that doesn't mean you didn't get it. That didn't mean you didn't receive the Holy Spirit. Continue to to speak, continue to open your mouth, continue to walk by faith and, and, and watch what God does in your life. 
All right, so understanding this language, it's a method of communication. That's what a language is, it's a method of communication. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And um, some of my favorite verses of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. I want to read a few verses here. Um, We'll read verse 1 through 5. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Remember, this is the things we talked about last week, the nine spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that your church may be built up. I love what he says here. Uh, The one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. Here's what I want you to understand. Um, There is the grace of tongues, uh, the the language that we speak of tongues, and then there is the gift of tongues, and they're, they're slightly different. Same God, same Holy Spirit, same deal, but they're just slightly different. And here's what I mean by that. Um, when Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12 about the gift of tongues, he is referring to a gift by which God is speaking to man. So, so the difference in the grace of tongues and the gift of tongues, and I use those words just so we can kind of separate them and make some, get some understanding here, is that when God wants to speak to man, Uh, Sometimes he speaks through someone who has stirred up a gift of tongues. He speaks in an unknown unknown language. Now here's the problem. It makes no sense to any of us. So he has this companion gift, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Whereas someone else steps up and gives the the interpretation uh, of what God was saying. So imagine this. I don't know if you've ever been in service, maybe there was a missionary, or maybe you've been in a place where someone spoke in a different language. And they stand up, I had the uh, privilege of preaching in Nicaragua about a few years ago, and there was about 1,500 pastors there, and I would stand up and I would say some words in English. They didn't understand them. So I would pause, and I had uh, Pastor Carlos Torres, who was a good friend of mine, uh, who pastors uh, Iglesia Triunfo down in Groves, and he, he would stand there and I would pause and he would translate what I was saying into Spanish so that everyone could understand it. Translating. And that's what the gift of tongues is all about. It's all about God speaking to man. It's the direction of the communication. God speaking to us, and, but it requires an interpretation or else it doesn't do us any good. If you speak to me in Mandarin, it will not do me a lick of good. I don't know one word of Mandarin. But if you speak to me in English, if you have an interpreter that can translate what you're saying to me, then it can help me. So when God speaks to us through tongues, he always has an interpreter, uh, an interpretation of tongues. Now, the next is the grace of tongues is 
our communication to God. Remember, it's the direction of the communication. So when it's God down, it's a gift of tongues that requires an interpretation. When it's our spirit communicating with God, with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't need a, a, an interpreter because God knows exactly what we're saying. He knows exactly what our, our spirit is praying. So it's the direction. One is, uh, one is to be used corporately and one is to be used privately. My personal prayer language, my communication to God through the Holy Spirit, through this language, is not a public thing. I'm not saying I've never spoken in it public. It's just a public thing. It is my spirit communicating with the Holy Spirit of God, and it's private. But when God speaks publicly to us, he always has an interpreter. Are you with me this morning? All right. So let's go down to verse 14, same chapter. For if I pray in a tongue... My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Verse 16. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? So, First off, he says here in verse 14, you'll put that verse up for me. He says, for if I pray. So here we see, remember I told you a while ago that you were in control. This is, this is what he's saying. For if I pray, meaning you have a decision to make. You can pray in a tongue where your spirit is praying, or you can pray with your mind. You can pray in a language that you can understand. Here's what he says. If I pray in the spirit, my mind is unfruitful because my mind doesn't know what's being said. But my spirit is getting something done. But if I pray with my mind, then my mind is doing it. So I pray in English. What's the conclusion? I pray in English. I pray where my mind understands. I, I pray where I know what I'm asking for. And then I spend time praying when my spirit covers up all the stuff that I got wrong. All the stuff where my motives were off and I asked wrong and I got it messed up, I allow my spirit to pray the perfect prayer and get it right for me. So it's not one or the other, Paul says. It is both. Here, he gives us, though, a couple of warnings. He gives us a couple of warnings. First off, he says uh, this in, in verse 6. The question is this, are you helping others? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Here's the, here's the question. One of the reasons that I don't spend a lot of time and I don't come up here and I say, good morning, everyone, welcome to Triumph, open up my Bible, read a scripture, and then take off speaking into tongues is because it won't do you a lick of good. It just won't do you any good. So why would I do that? Paul says, I'm not going to do that. So the, the question is, uh, he, he, the warning is when you're in church specifically or when you're around other people, when you're speaking in tongues, are you doing any good for anyone else? doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. It just means that are you helping others? Verse 12, so with yourselves, since you were eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Paul in this whole chapter is talking about edifying the church, building people up, building others up. And so he says, listen, when you come around speaking in tongues, are you helping others? Or number two, and this is the second warning, are you scaring off people that need Jesus? Here's what he says in verse 23. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues 
and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of their minds? Now, this is a rhetorical question, but let me answer it for you. Yes. <laughs> they're going to come in and they're going to look at you and they say, these people are cray-cray. That's my daughter says. Paul said, here, here's, here's what Paul's saying. You've got to hear the heart of Paul. Paul says, guys, I have given my life to reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have been beaten. I have been whipped. I have been shipwrecked. I have been thrown in jail. I have been stoned and left for dead. I have been persecuted at every turn. And I'm doing everything I can to get people in the church that they might find Jesus. Please don't act crazy and scare them off. Do, do you hear the heart of a guy that's saying, man, I'm working so hard because I, I, I'm trying to reach all of Asia with the gospel and, and, and Corinthians. I, I've, I've got them to come to the church, but every time they come in, all you want to do is, is, is speak in a language that no one understands. And you know what? They're leaving saying these people are out of their mind. He said, please don't do that. Let's reach them with the love of Jesus. Let's talk to them about God. Let's, let's get them saved. Then let's teach them about the Holy Spirit. And then let's pray for them that they too might be filled with the Holy Spirit and be baptized in the Holy Spirit, have this relationship, and they too might speak in tongues when they understand it, not when they think you're all crazy. When, when your heart is to say, I want to see people know Jesus, you say, you know what? I'll keep my private prayer a little more private and a little less crazy. Understand, speaking in tongues is not crazy. But if you don't know and you don't understand, it can sure seem crazy. I love this, verse 19. Nevertheless, in church. So he says, let me be specific to you, Corinthians, because you're not getting it. In church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Speaking specifically of how to have church. He wanted church services to be helpful to all, instructional, and a place where people could find Jesus. Third one, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So here's the problem. We get to this point, and, and a, lot of, a lot of good churches have just thrown out the Holy Spirit and the language of the Holy Spirit altogether. Well, see there, Paul said he'd rather speak five words than 10,000 words, and, and, don't, and so he says, don't, no, no, not necessarily. It's not all bad. Notice what he says here in verse 18, 18. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That I'm thanking God for it. So we can't take the Holy Spirit and, and the language of the Holy Spirit and say, well, I don't understand it. And everybody's going to think I'm crazy, so I'm throwing the whole thing out. And Paul said, no, 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 that's not the point either. Understand it. It is a benefit to you. It will help you. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Verse 5, he said, now I want all of you to speak in tongues. He wanted it for everyone. He just wanted you to be a little more wise with it. Is that okay? Speaking in tongues is between you and God. If it's God to man, there will be an interpretation. It will be done decently in and in order. This happens every now and then here at Triumph. Um, but it doesn't happen every week. And we don't expect it to have it happen every week. But when it does, it's decently and in order. Now, I want to give you a couple benefits of this, this prayer language and so that you'll understand, okay, why is it even worth it? Here it is. Number one, it's been called uh, the perfect prayer. It's, been, it's, been, it's the perfect prayer. When I don't know what to pray, my spirit prays. When I get it wrong, 
when, you know, what, what does the Bible say? You have not because you ask amiss. And when I'm asking wrong, when, my, when I'm getting it wrong, my, I have to allow my spirit to pray for me. You know, sometimes when I'm praying, uh, I, don't, I don't know what I'm saying, but I, I understand tone. Do you know what I mean by tone? So you can say, hey. And somebody says, oh, how are you doing? Or you can say, hey. Same word, tone changes. And now you're like, hey, man, what did I do to you, right? Tone changes. And sometimes I, I understand the tone of the Spirit. And sometimes when I'm praying, I feel like I'm fighting a war. Other times I feel like I'm just celebrating and, and good, I, and I leave feeling happy. And other times I leave feeling like me, my prayer, personal prayer time, feeling like, man, I just went to battle. I'm, I'm like hot. I'm like, I need some water, some Gatorade, and rehydrate here. But, so, because sometimes the Holy Spirit is praying exactly what needs to be prayed through me, even when I don't understand it. It's the perfect prayer. And, here, and, and the thing is, uh, praying in the Holy Spirit invites a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And my opinion is this, more, God, more of God is always better. More of God is always better. So if, if praying in the Holy Spirit invites more of the Holy Spirit in my life, then I'm going to do it. If it does nothing else, just because I want to be closer to the Holy Spirit. I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Number two is that it builds me up. It builds me up. I love, I love what Paul said in verse 4. To one who speaks in a tongue, to the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Now, at first you can skim over this and, and you think Paul is saying, oh, you know, you're just being selfish and it's all about you. Well, sometimes it is. You know, when we're in a corporate church service, it's not all about me. But when I'm in my time praying, when I'm driving, driving down the road and spending time with God, it is about all about me and the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I get in a situation where I need to build myself up. Sometimes, sometimes I've been in a place where I've been battling and I'm, in, and, and, and I'm down and I'm struggling and I need to build myself up. It's not a bad thing. That's one of the reasons we have the Holy Spirit is He wants to comfort you and He wants to encourage you and He wants to help you. And part of the way we do that, do this, is through praying in the Holy Spirit. The word, the Greek word there means to build a house or erect a building. It means to restore, to rebuild, or repair. You know what? If you're in a place and you need rebuilding, you need restoring, and you need repairing, sometimes all you got to do is spend a little time praying in the Spirit and watch how you'll build yourself back up. And here's the third one. Ephesians chapter 6 powerful chapter and uh, I'm going to read these verses to you but he talks about the whole armor of God let's read some of these verses verse 11 therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm the devil's coming after you here's what he says stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness he's going through if you went to Bible school, I mean, if you went to children's church, you studied these. Uh, i got to put on the armor of God. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, not just a few circumstances, in all of them. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Stop right there. Which is the Word of God. Man, and you know what? Some of us stop right here. We've got our helmet of salvation and our sword of the Spirit and our breastplate of righteousness and, and all these things. And our, we've got our, my mom used to say, Randy, do you have your peace shoes on? I'd be fighting with my sister. Randy, do you have your peace shoes on? And, and Kara said one time, my bubby untied them. And so... Uh, you know, and she said, you have, but listen, we stop right there. But put verse 17 back up for me. I want you to notice something. Go, go back to your, to your uh, schooling. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Is that a period at the end of that? That's a comma. It means that the sentence is continuing. The thought is continuing. There's more to it. But we stop right here. I've got all the pieces of my armor, but I stop right here. But watch what he says in verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit. You know what he's talking about? Spirit is capitalized, praying in the Holy Spirit, prayer language of the Holy Spirit. He is talking about, you know what? When you get all this stuff on and you're ready to go, all the time, when you're gearing up for battle and when you're in battle and when you just came through a battle I want you praying at all times in the spirit you see praying in the Holy Spirit is a language it is a weapon in your life when you go to battle you need to be praying in the Holy Spirit let me just tell you this there are some devils that don't speak English They don't understand you. They don't stop when you say stop. But when you start praying in the Spirit, things begin to shift and things begin to change and things begin to happen and things begin to move and stuff begins to break free and stuff begins to fall off and, and, and everything can begin to change. Why? Because it is a weapon in your life and it is right there in the list of all of the armor of God when you're going out against the schemes of the devil, against the fiery darts of the devil. He said, I wants you to be praying in the Spirit at all times. It's the perfect prayer. It covers up what I mess up. Sometimes I get off on tangents when I'm praying. I get off on the wrong thing. So I got to spend a little time cleaning it up. I build myself up. I, I restore myself. I, I repair things. Man, I got hurt today. And that person really hurt me. That situation really hurt me. What do I need? I need to spend a little time building myself up. How? By praying in the Spirit. Sometimes I'm getting ready for battle. Sometimes I'm going through a few things. Praying in the Spirit at all times. It's a weapon. As we close today, I want to invite you to know my friend, the Holy Spirit. He wants to baptize you today. He wants to fill you. He wants to be your best friend. He wants to go with you everywhere you go. And he wants to give you a language. He wants to give you a language. You don't have to be scared by it. You don't have to be worried. And you don't have to go out and speak it in front of everyone else. But you do have to speak it. But he wants to communicate with you. If you're in a place in your life when you need rebuilding and restoring and repairing or you're going through some battles and you need a weapon, I invite you to come get your weapon today to come build a relationship with the Holy Spirit, have Him baptize you and fill you, and you're going to find uh, that the 
fill you with the Holy Spirit and you'll begin to speak in another language, a heavenly language. You can fight. You can, you can fight back.